In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. This is my first program, as you know, on TogiNet, and I'm very happy to be here today. I wanted to tell you a little bit about Second Wind. I feel that most of us go through periods in our life when we just need a little bit of help to get us through, move us on to the next stage in life. So the transition, and many times I refer to these as from one hat to another hat, from one period to another period, we may get stuck and find that we're just not moving. So Second Wind is really directed at women during these times of transition so that we can expose you to other women that are living their passion and somehow get you on the path to your passion and joy of living. So, to start our program today, I am very happy and excited to have with me a woman that is indeed living her passion. It is Joan Hallmark, who is a... um, Emmy Award-winning television journalist with KLTV in Tyler, Texas. Um, she is a graduate. She is from a native of East Texas and a graduate of the University of Texas, and has spent the last forty years working in East Texas with KLTV. As I said, where her proud of East Texas has been an audience favorite. She's producer of The Freedom Fighters, which was a profile on military men and women, both in the past and the present. As a pioneer in the role of women in television, Joyce has, Joan has interviewed hundreds of headliners. And in the book that she has just completed called Sound Bites, I was so impressed, excited, loving reading about the people in East Texas. She's even was selected to cover the Queen Elizabeth visit to Texas. Awesome. Joan is proud of East Texas appears weekly on KLTV and Tyler Longview and KET. KTRE Lufkin, Nacogdoches area. In 2011, Joan was inducted into the Lone Star Emmy Silver Circle. And Joan is a wife 
and a proud mother of two sons and a proud, even prouder grandmother (laughs) of four, did I hear? Four. So welcome, Joan. It is delightful to have you here today. I'm thrilled. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm flattered <laughs> for your very first broadcast. First of all, you're very brave to do uh, a live broadcast. I won't bore you with all the things that can happen over the years in television when it's live television. Of course, most of it's on tape now, uh, yeah. but lots of things can happen. So good for you. Oh, well, <laughs> we stumble and we just keep on moving. That's the way it goes, babe. <laughs> yeah. Now, you were born in t- in tech. Tyler, Texas. Well, right. But. Yeah, Athens is kind of my hometown. Yeah. Um, my dad was um, the junior college there, which at one time was uh, Henderson County Junior College, now Trinity uh-huh. Valley. He was on the first faculty. He was basketball coach, athletic director, later dean. And so Athens is the old hometown now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I because of your career now and how you've been such a leader in the industry, I many times in my work like to reconnect the women with what they enjoyed as a little girl did you in your little girl years play being the speaker the actress the all of those roles that you've played in your life well it's funny of course you know the times in which you grow up I think determine and of course as a little bitty girl I wanted to be a movie star of course all little girls wanted to be movie stars then I um you know I really didn't grow up uh when I grew up thinking about being in television because uh, I would, you know, i go way back, let's face it. Yes. So sitting in my parents' living room before yes. dens were the big deal, uh, watching black and white television, uh, what, the programming at that time, um, you know, the Ed Sullivan's, well, I couldn't sing or dance or whatever. Right. There were the comedy shows. I couldn't, I still can't tell a good <laughs> joke. Uh, there was wrestling from the Sportatorium yeah. in Dallas. Those were the big shows. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't see myself in those areas. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because over the years, I've had the opportunity to interview the, you know, the singers, the dancers, the, the, um, the funny people, the comics, uh-huh. the famous comics, uh, uh-huh. movie stars, television yeah. stars, and even wrestlers, yes, by the I way. Heard so. that. <laughs> that was good, really. <laughs> I love the way you broke your book down with those different categories. Yeah. But, um, so you first off attended college at the alma mater of your father. Yeah, uh, well, start. Uh, I went. Uh, yes, I went a year to uh, Trinity Valley, and then uh-huh. went on to University of Texas in Austin, and uh-huh. majored in drama, as we called it at the oh, time, yes. or theaters they call uh-huh. it now. Mm-hmm. And then sort of got into television when I was in Dallas, kind mm-hmm. of. As a fluke in a way, and it, and I hate to say that because it's pretty much you have to have a degree in, in communication now for television, radio, and so forth. But at the yeah. time, um, I was working with Theater 3, doing some theater work, mm-hmm. you know, doing some commercials and things for television. And um, Channel 11 wanted to do a talk, an interview show, mm-hmm. and uh, some acquaintances whom I knew wanted to sponsor it, and I sort of got pushed into that. So that was the Joan Hallmark show, and I'm always a little embarrassed when I say what the name of it is because I didn't pick out the name. In fact, (laughs) I I went to the meeting with a long list of, I thought, very innovative, creative names for this show. They didn't listen to me. 
Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Can't the, imagine. the powers that be say, yeah. <laughs> You're a woman. <laughs> the powers that be uh, said, well, we're going to name it the Joan Hallmark Show. It's the best way to establish, you know, a person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The woman, you know, you said that, I'm sure, <laughs> kiddingly. But, you know, when I started in television, there were very few women in television. Yes. We were definitely a minority. Yes. Yeah. And that there were only two others in that Dallas industry. There were Judy, you know, Judy Jordan. She was a reporter before she was an anchor at Channel 4. Uh-huh. Uh, they had like a cooking show, Julie Bennell's cooking show at Channel 8, you know, uh-huh. for those who remember uh, Julie. They had uh, at Channel 11 Romper Room School, but they changed the teacher, you know, every year. Yes. And um, then there was one reporter, I think, at Channel 8. That was it. I mean, mm-hmm. there were no women on cameras, no women directly directors, et cetera, et cetera, then. And, of course, mm-hmm. now, oh, gee, there are at least as many women, maybe more women in television. Isn't that amazing? We so, have made transitions. Yes, yes. Yes. So at that time, it was live, though, wasn't it, when you did your Joan Hallmark show? Well, it uh, actually, not not usually. It was usually oh. on tape, and it was, um, which was kind of nice, because I had small children at the time, and I could go in and just work a couple of days a week and tape five shows now obviously when i do did the interviews and so forth you know that was live and then that would be transferred you know it would be on film and so forth so most right. of mine actually was there was some there were some live broadcasts i did um premiere of oops, quote the world premiere uh, southwestern <laughs> premiere i don't know uh maybe of uh, dr doolittle uh-huh and it was supposed to be a really big deal in dallas the mayor everybody from dallas was invited and uh i was doing as i said live it was going into three or four states Oh, and my goodness. problem is, is none of the stars from the movie showed up except oh, no. the chimp. Oh. Chi-Chi the chimp. So I interviewed Chi-Chi <laughs> the chimp. How do you interview a monkey? That's a good, a good question. <laughs> Actually, yeah. um, more, they always have a trainer or someone, you know, like yeah. Benji the dog always had his handler with him. So you ask it to the chimp, but the handler answers. <laughs> so I don't know. But I did it. Oh, have fun. The well, he was probably on. the star and would have stolen the show <laughs> of anyway. Course, of yes. course. Because to, to heck with Rex Harrison. I mean, you know, he didn't have to be there. <laughs> he didn't show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I even saw in here that you married your high school sweetheart. I love that. Yeah. It, that's, that's beautiful. That was kind of neat. Of course, you know, there these little spots along the way. I mean, he went to the University of Houston on a football scholarship. Uh-huh. I'd always wanted to go to UT. I don't know why it was just I had to go to UT Austin, you know. Yeah. And so we were two different schools. And fortunately... You know, it wasn't that far. And he had a friend who went with a friend, you know, of mine and so forth. So they showed up every <laughs> once in a good while. Days, yeah. Good days. I kept it going. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you, you were a teacher and then you had children or? Well, uh, yeah, actually, um, since my husband was on a football scholarship and then we married his last year uh-huh. and then uh, had our son and then I, st- I did teach for a couple of years, speech and drama, one year in Houston, and then in the Richardson School District oh, how for was a couple that? of years. And then that's when I started with Theater uh, yeah. 3 and so forth. Yeah. yeah, that was, that was yeah, that was neat. It was, um, I, I took a, a 
a cutting from Glass Menagerie to State, and we won in State, and it was just neat, you know, working with young people and seeing them develop as well. It's always interesting to see what those times in our lives really add to our lives as we develop. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, we are going to take a short break here, and I will be talking more with Joan about the years in her Dallas career market in the Dallas market, and then we'll move to Tyler and how she made that transition. But it's always good to hear that we have family lives as well as public lives. Well, welcome you back. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Chances are you didn't give birth to Einstein. So why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Woohoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends, and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking today with Joan Hallmark, having a great time. I love hearing all of her history and knowing some of the scoop. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Things people don't always see. Right? It's true. Now, you were in, a, you were in an acting career. Yeah, I, I did. Um, 
Let's see. I did three whole motion pictures. You know, big deal. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, that's a tough with little kids and a husband. Oh. you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a tough mm-hmm. career because it, you know, really to get much work, you have to go to the West Coast or oh, yeah. New York or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know that just wouldn't mm-hmm. have worked very well. Right. So fortunately, I. Went into television. But how fun to be exposed to a little bit of that life. It was. It was like, you know, at first, the first thing was like uh, State Fair with Pat Boone and Ann Margaret. And oh. if you look real closely <laughs> on one shot, you can see my knee right behind in, a, oh, in the stands, you know. Right <laughs> <laughs> you know, Love what is it, it uh, the old cliche about ending up on the cutting room uh-huh. floor? But uh-huh. I did have the only woman's uh, feature role in Indian paint. Now, the horse had the best oh, lines, okay. but nevertheless, I had the only <laughs> featured role. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, Vian uh, Byrne was uh, on the movie as well, and she was in uh, West Side Story. So we like to laugh about her experience. <laughs> I think she was flashed through one of the dances. Yeah, yeah, there you go. One of those. (laughs) She probably got more exposure than I did on my first one, believe me, if she, you know. (laughs) Yes, but when you were doing your show in Dallas, your first interview was with... Cher and Sonny. Well, I yeah, I interviewed them a couple of times, and that was when they it was Sonny and Cher yeah. together. Yeah. You know, the early days. Yes. The kind of the, if you don't mind me using the term, the hippie. You know yes. what we use? You know uh-huh. the the long hair, the fur vest, the you know the whole <laughs> I've got bit. A, I yeah. see it. I see it. And I vision. I've got it. And but but they were really interesting. Uh, Cher, if you can believe this, was very shy. Yes. And uh, Sonny did most of the talking. Uh, very nice guy, and I th- I don't know if I mentioned my book or not but it's it's like i i said something you know i was raving about sharing her voice and i said sonny and what do you do and, uh, you know insult him i, I didn't mean it as an insult and he just laughed he understood what i meant by it because actually he was quite quite genius he arranged ah. the movies he you know he was really a genius you know maybe he didn't have Cher's voice yes. but he was a genius in getting them promoted and in their yeah. music getting music out there so yeah that yeah. probably doesn't come through as much in their singing because he was not a strong singer. No, no. I mean, she has this glorious voice, yes. an incredible voice. <laughs> but yeah, she. But he did as much to make them big as yeah. she did. Yeah, it's so interesting. Well, when you were in Dallas, your first celebrity interview was with Michael Caine. Yo, it's uh, <clears throat> which is kind of interesting to see his career. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's he's really one of the premier actors, I think. Right. So uh-huh. yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. Early on, uh, I mean, he was getting well known, so it's not that he was unknown at the time. Right. But it was kind of interesting to get them at some early stages. And like with Clint Eastwood, for example, he was doing the spaghetti westerns, as they call oh, them, yes. and, you know, had was really getting to be well known because of that, uh-huh. not because of, of all these great things he's done afterwards. And uh-huh. he was very shy. You know, it's really? funny that a lot of actors are very shy, yeah. and but I guess they can lose themselves in the parts that they play, or mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. 
the explanation I've heard anyway. Mm-hmm. But they a number of take them. on their Yeah, Dick Van Dyke is very shy. Really? Much, yes. And he's yes, so yes. funny. I know, I know. And much better looking than, than on the screen. You know, some, oh. I don't know why, you know, really good looking man. Yeah. And he just kind of comes off as a nice looking man, but more of a comic, you know, yes. on uh-huh. screen. Now, you, you have listed here two really biggies as well as big men are, and women here, but I'm going to look toward John Wayne. Oh yeah, that he's probably. I mean, he's such an icon. Yeah. And even though he's been gone quite a while now, it, he's something that kind of. I mean, the younger generation sometimes at the station, mm. someone who was huge star will die or something, and you know we will put it on the air, and so many of the young reporters <laughs> will say. Who's that? I've never heard of that, you know. And I'm practically the only one who knows who these incredibly famous people were. But, yes, John Wayne, everybody knows about John yes. Wayne. So it was kind of fun, yeah, to be able. Well, one, because of the Easter holiday that I kept seeing over the weekend was, of course, our very dear Charleston Heston. Oh, yeah. And Moses. It, you know, when I sat next to him at first, I thought, you know, he has this huge booming, resonant voice. Uh, oh, my God, I'm sitting next to Moses, you know, here. But what we talked about mostly, um, of course, was Ben-Hur. I, I don't oh, know why. We were supposed to be promoting a movie he was in, you know, and we were talking about Ben-Hur. But he really told me a lot about what happened behind the scenes, uh, the chariot race. You know, uh, one of the drivers was killed in the chariot race, and he said he was lucky to make it through alive because the chariots, the wooden wheels, they were going very fast in the race. Mm-hmm. They would hit rocks and stones, and he said he just barely held on, that it was really dangerous. And he insisted on doing his own stunts. Oh, wow. He did the race, you know, there. So he was an interesting guy. I bet. I bet. Well, then came the decision, probably in your personal life, about the boys and wanting to move back to East Texas, which was home. And that had to be sort of a difficult time for you because you'd been experiencing some very good times on the Dallas market, but that yet you had this dear loving family so well my husband and i are both only children both from east texas and we we, dallas was kind you know we had loved dallas but it was kind of getting to be a tough place for teenagers to grow up and our boys weren't quite teens yet but Uh we just felt like okay we need to get them back to east texas and so Right. We were able to do that, and um, you know, at first I was up, I was going back and forth and doing commercials and things Ooh. like that in Dallas, uh, yes. and uh, then they changed the speed limit. I couldn't get there as oh. fast, <laughs> and then my husband said, "Well, go over to to da- uh, to Tyler, and uh, see if they, you know." see if they need someone there television. Mm-hmm. I resisted for a long time because I said, oh, it looks like they, you know, they're pretty well packed with people and so forth. Finally did, and the first person I ran into was Barry Hansen. Mm-hmm. And and Barry likes to laugh and now at what I brought in because it's not the kind of resume and so forth. I just kind of brought some pictures with famous people, I think, or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. he was impressed and introduced me to Michael Brown, mm-hmm. who was yes. the news director at that time and of course you know Michael Brown and then Sandra his wife is a top novelist she's quite a world yes yeah and uh, so that kind of started oh the first thing I did the only opening they had at the time was weekend weather girl (laughs) 
I didn't know anything about weather. From your featured now, story. I, to- I must say that we only use meteorologists now. We have good weather people. Yes. But at that time, I was that was a position. And the uh, how I, did you gather your weather report? Well, the AP oh, <laughs> Associated okay. Press, you know, will will send you some things. And we had <laughs> a kind of a, a, a deal. Uh, actually, it was an old Cadillac car window unit that the engineers had set up and put maps on them. Oh, so. If you punch a button here on the left, well, then the national map would come up. And then another button would be the Texas map, but you were supposed to let that one down before you... I was punching (laughs) buttons. The wrong maps were coming. I mean, it was such a disaster. You Really, you wouldn't believe it. It was so bad. I'm surprised that they had me back the next... Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, we all have those memories. It's uh, good to hear the <laughs> I'm just so glad I can laugh about it now. That's all I can say. Well, I know you you mentioned about that when you came to Tyler. Of course, that station was in an airplane hangar, so it was a little different than probably Dallas. Well, it it was more. Um, yeah, it was, of course, different uh-huh. because it was uh-huh. in an, an airplane hangar. And, of course, we outgrew that and moved uh, downtown. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was more... It was more, I don't know, the atmosphere than anything. It was it were of a culture shock because oh, television yeah. at that time, I don't know... It, why, but it was like we would go to an interview or something, and sometimes everybody would be put in front of us, newspaper, radio, and everybody would be in front of us instead mm-hmm. of, you know, and, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. why, mm-hmm. because in Dallas, I mean, we were invited to so many parties we couldn't go to. Yes. Uh, Stanley Marcus, you know, would have a party <laughs> for people would fade us. H.L. Hunt, a big party, you know, yes. Murkisons and yeah. so forth. And they come to Tyler and you stand in the back of the line before you get your interview. Well, that started changing, of course, mm-hmm. but I'll always be grateful to the late Ralph Spence who at uh, an interview uh, for a very important uh, politician saw me in the back of the crowd and said, come up here, Joan, pull me up for the first interview. And it was just that kind of broke the ice from then on. And it was, and I was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I expect to be first because I'm in television, but you know, we want an equal shake. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I knew there had to be some transition period in there just because of the difference in the two markets. Right. One being so much more so. Very different. Yeah. Than the other. So, uh, so it's always, we're always having to adjust, you know, and, and I imagine there was a little bit of internal adjusting too, coming from all the notoriety to Tyler, and de- and that growing and developing mm-hmm. as she became more known. There, you know. yeah, I I guess there was, but it. Um, I don't, you know. Sometimes I look back and think, hmm, why didn't I notice that? That was probably pretty obvious. I don't remember that as being uh, that much of a deal. Yeah. But because I was learning, I mean, you know, this was a news operation. It was a, it was kind of a transition for me there. Had to learn a lot in that area. And then there were a lot of things like uh, we didn't have teleprompters. Well, the teleprompters we had at KLTV when I first started, uh, you read it off of a long piece of paper if you read it at all. Most of the time we didn't have teleprompters, and, I, and everybody in Dallas did. And I thought, oh, wow. man, they probably think we're stupid because we, you know, we 
have to look down at this paper and read it. But that changed. Yeah. That changed. Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, gosh. These stories are great to hear. I love hearing about the old days in TV yep. now. <laughs> and I look back now, and I, it was the old days. Indeed, it was. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We will be back in a few minutes with Joan Palmark and more stories. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome, welcome. We've been talking about Tyler. In the days of early television, Joan was a weather girl. And one of the things I wanted to ask her is, from my own experience, I know that when I first started into business, there was a business code that we had to wear. So as a woman, did they require you to dress a certain way? Did you have a dress code? There there was somewhat of a a dress code. I remember that um, Judy for a while wore very big earrings, <laughs> Judy yes, Jordan, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, they, no, you can't wear those big earrings. And I remember um, one of the, um, I'm trying to remember who from television, um, national television, 
talking about you could only wear the little very small studs, studs. you know, yes. and that Katie Kirk had really gotten on her because she says, you cannot wear big earrings on television and so forth. Well, now Katie and everybody else wears dangling <laughs> earrings, you know, maybe I, not huge. I don't yeah. wear as big earrings on television, maybe right. as I wear sometimes otherwise, yeah. but nevertheless, it was, you know, no dangling earrings and that mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys, sometimes uh, the guys, it, maybe it was worse on than others, particularly photographers because that can really get kind of a nitty-gritty, whatever. And then I remember one of our reporters uh, coming in to work with a white suit on, and oh her assignment goodness. for that day was to get in a boat on the Trinity River, oh. the flooding situation, you know, there. Oh, no. you know, So, uh, you know, so finally it got so you could at least have a pair of blue jeans there if you needed yes. to put on jeans. Yes. But I do remember I, I had more leeway with my Proud of East Texas then when you were anchoring, for example, mm-hmm. and I came to the station one day in denim, mm-hmm. it was a skirt, it wasn't blue jeans, but it was denim because I was going to do a story about uh, in the country, you know, with this family who built their own house and were self-sustaining and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I got there and they said, no, you're going to Dallas to cover Queen Elizabeth's visit. Oh and there was no time to change clothes. <laughs> well, I went to Dallas and it was at the Meyerson, you know, and so forth. And everybody oh. was dressed to the teeth. And here oh, I, I was, country bumpkin. And ah. I did. I felt that way anyway. <laughs> I did. I'm, oh, that is so funny. So, uh, you know, dress code, uh, you know. Yes, yes. Had some soft edges, I guess you'd say. Yes. Yeah, so how yeah. was that experience interviewing the Queen? Well, you know, it's funny because in my book, Sound Bites, uh, I, the title is Don't Touch the Queen. Because yes, yeah. that was the thing I remember more than anything else. Um, we met her at the airport, and we went to the Meyerson, and um, you, we were told right away, do not touch the queen. If she extends her hand to you, you may extend your but you do not touch the queen without oh. invitation. Uh-huh. And so I remember the mayor of Dallas, you know, shake, putting out the hand, shaking her hand. And I thought, oh, they must not have told the mayor. And then as Queen Elizabeth <laughs> came by us, she had, her hands were very folded, yes. holding her handbag. Oh, I see. Now Prince Philip came along, shook her hands, and, you know, uh-huh. was very, and, you know, and I think back, um, I felt like I was a little critical when I would look back and think, gee, you know, she was so stilted and so forth. But I think, you know, she was queen from the time she was, what, 18 or something. And you can imagine, um, you know, she's told what was told what the protocol was for years and years and really was not able to be very, um, you know, very outwardly friendly to people. Mm -hmm. She just wasn't allowed to. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Well, that day must have been full of just one social event after oh, another yeah. so you you kind of just operate in a fog you lose that personality that's inside oh sure yeah, yeah. i'm sure she wasn't yeah. allowed but yeah. i thought it was great because <laughs> i when uh on television i saw her at her grandson's wedding with this bright yellow outfit i mean she looked smashing because she really looked kind of dowdy at the time i saw her oh, and that was a period yes. i think when maybe she felt like she had to underplay color and style oh. and so forth i don't know yeah. but um but i thought she looked smashing oh, <laughs> her son's wonderful grandson's wedding well you know i looked at the book and i read it and i en- really enjoyed hearing about all the difference people that are in east texas from sports 
people to athletes. I mean, the football players like Danny Don Meredith. And it just seemed like East Texas is just peppered with all of these fabulous people with interesting careers. Well, that's what was so neat because, you you know, you, you asked me about the changes. And, of course, in, when I was in Dallas, it was, a, you know, a star would come by all the time. And uh-huh. it was, you know, the John Waynes and so forth and so on. But when I got to East Texas, they really weren't interviewing um, celebrities very much. I, you know, I don't know why. At that time, we just didn't have many come through. But we had our own homegrown ones. And I I think oh. that's sort of the way my Proud of East Texas started. Not that yeah. everybody's a celebrity, because some people I've done stories on, most of them aren't celebrities. They wouldn't even want to be. But we just have a lot of interesting people and mm-hmm. so much talent mm-hmm. in East Texas. So, yes, it it was not, uh, you know, that big a change when I got to East Texas as far as interesting people and, and famous people and talent. Well, I think there's a lot of... Uh, uh, genuine people here so no matter who you are what your role of life is i think there's always this this peacefulness that you find in east texas there's nothing no place prettier than our lakes and our trees and and you can really get in touch with life here so i i was reading the the um story about carol shelby yes who was the automotive icon and um, the Dodge Viper, for those that don't know, yeah, yeah. but get the book, you'll enjoy <laughs> reading. Uh, he was, anyway. yeah, an and, icon, as you say. Oh, my goodness, yes. Won the Grand Prix, yeah. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. But the I do know Deanne Raw. Raw? Yes, and yes. I have not met, met, met Wayne yet, but I do hear they have a fabulous collection of vipers. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. Like the world's greatest or something or other. Yeah. It's really unbelievable to see mm-hmm. their collection. Mm-hmm. Um, the cowboys that you've interviewed were amazing. And, and that kind of ties in as well with the uh, Texas country music. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. It's interesting because you know, obviously, you have people who have gone into other types of music uh, here in East Texas, but there is a very strong country music influence mm-hmm. in East Texas. Yes, there is. And I, I remember being told by several authorities that something like three quarters of country music stars come from Texas. And when I talk with people from East Texas, particularly who have made it big in country music, of course, you know, you have the younger stars like Miranda Lambert and yes. Casey Musgraves and so forth. But the older ones, like the, there were a lot of radio shows that came in and influenced their taste in music in the early days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, you know Tom Perryman, of course, yes. and um, yeah. who was very instrumental in the early days with uh, Elvis helping his career mm-hmm. and different people who mm-hmm. would come through here who yes. maybe were not from Texas, but right. they would come through here because we loved our country music. You know? Yes. <laughs> And of course, this uh, you know the the families, the cowboys I mentioned, those are still in in here, you know, in East Texas. They they right. still choose to leave to live yeah. in East Texas. Well, yeah. one of the women that you highlighted in your book was Martha Josie. Yes. And of course, my daughter Lauren is very much into the horse world and loves that part of competing and so forth. So we spent 
a week or weekend or two at Martha Josie's, but I didn't know of all of her accomplishments. Oh, yeah. She's an icon in her area. Yeah. She's an Olympic medal winner. Uh, in 1988 was her year. I just thought that was fabulous. And then she had a major injury yes. in Austin, but she came back. She came She's back, on that horse because right. I've yeah. seen her. And she has, awesome. I mean, she's still, as you say, awesome. But she also has trained so many young mm. people who are interested in horses mm-hmm. and competition and so forth because she has her school. Yes. And yeah. and I think that's incredible. Can you think of the thousands of people, really from all over the world, oh, they who are. come there for training? They come from all over the United States to her schools, which mm. I think speaks really well oh, of yeah. her training. Yeah, it was wonderful memories of taking and being with Lauren in those (laughs) training sessions. And a few tears, because, you know, competition always brings a few challenges with it. What is they say? It makes us stronger. Yeah, it hurts at the time, though, when you lose. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way. (laughs) (laughs) And as a mom, I'm sure you wanted to protect her when she hurts. (laughs) I would have ridden that horse if she would have but that would not have helped. But um, one of the stories that, that made Good Morning America for you after you came here was about the Rose Festival. Right. The um, I guess it, that was probably my first, first story. Really, it was more pointed toward the Rose Garden. But, you know, oh, okay. It, but, of course, yes. you know, all of that is combined. Uh-huh. But Tyler's Rose Industry and Rose Garden. And, uh, yeah, that was a big thrill to be on Good Morning America. And when was that? Oh, don't ask me dates. I'm the was world's it, it the last worst on years? date. Oh, no. No, no it was, earlier than it that. Was, it was first few years. When I, oh, it was had to be oh. in the 70s sometime oh, or other. Oh, really? And um, then... That was my first one. And then Earl Campbell was the story when he won the Heisman was the one that got the play not only on Good Morning America, but then they sent it out on ABC's, at that time was called DEF, Delayed Electronic Feed, Mm -hmm. uh, to all of their stations all over the Mm -hmm. United States. And then they played Mm -hmm. it again because that was, you know, that was big news, Mm -hmm. the Heisman winner. Oh, yes. Always think of Earl and how his dream was to build his mother a house. I love that. Isn't that neat? And I I did do a story on that later. When I when I did the story, I was sitting with his mother, Anne, on the front porch. And Mm -hmm. the place he grew up was just, I'm not sure, it it couldn't have been more than two or three rooms um you know it it was but it was something that uh, that was of great pride to them yes. and and we shot the story and then later on the little place after he built the house burned down and oh. so we really had the only footage now if you see the footage anywhere else because other stations have borrowed it from uh-huh. us but uh-huh. it's all of our footage we're the only ones who ever had footage of that little house oh. And it was, they built the nice new brick house right next to that. Oh, they did? Uh huh, where they grew up. Yeah. And is there, their land is around, in around Tyler? Yes, yes. It's sort of the Swan area. And there's Ann Campbell Road that they named after Ann, his mother, who, you know, was an incredible woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love hearing all these stories. Mm. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a series that Joan did called The Freedom Fighters, and you produced this, correct? 
But you, didn't you do the interviews? As well? Oh yeah, I oh, yeah, yeah. yeah produced the produce it. Did every yeah everything with the editing. I had and shooting. I have a photographer with me on those stories. Yeah. Okay. Well, we look forward to talking about that wonderful series. We'll be back in a few moments. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Lori Hurley, the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and makes social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media, including Twitter, YouTube, blogging, Google+, and more. Lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material, engaging guests, and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway. Join her every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Social Networking News Hour here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome, welcome. We are talking with Joan Hallmark today. We've had so much fun living her past and sharing. I think I lived some of that past with you, Joan. <laughs> I think you did too. <laughs> and it was, we go way back. But it's good to see it from another uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were so busy all those years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in your book, uh, Sound Bites, you have a chapter on um, Still Magnolias, which is yes. primarily about women. And because our focus is about women on this program, I wanted to talk about the three that you have listed here, which is Kim Dawson yes, from yeah. Dallas, who had the modeling agency, mm-hmm. who did unbelievable work and expanded her business. And it's still run by her daughter, I understand. But then also there's Sarah McClendon, who was, would you like to talk a little bit about her? 
Well, of course, uh, Sarah, you know, I, I know we're overusing the word icon, but there's hardly another word that exactly expresses the same thing. And she was in journalism. She, uh, of course, was a, a Tylerite, and all of the women featured there, Kim, even though she made her name in Paris and Dallas, mm-hmm. is from East Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sarah McClendon uh, started in with the, you know, the local paper here and then became Washington correspondent. Now, before that time, she covered, um, the New London School disaster. Oh yes, of course. Yes, which was you know is a dramatic a, a yeah. story or book mm-hmm. all by its own. And then she went to Washington, and here she was representing a number of small papers across the United States. But you know there were people who would be considered much more important or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she got those questions in, and uh, the. Presidents at the time, all the different presidents that she covered didn't always like her questions. She She's, they were sometimes yes. unsettling, yes. and she didn't really care if it upset them too much. <laughs> if it was a question she thought people wanted to know, she would ask the question. So you know, just um, just an incredible lady, yes. a real pioneer yeah. in women in journalism. Yes, yes, she, she was under six. Um, presidents yes sir let's see i'm trying to think um because there's a there's a book and then later on she expanded it because i think it was my six or my eight presidents and then i think it went on because it was a whole group of presidents yeah. and, and a lot of um the television when they covered the, the press conferences you'd see sarah stand up and <laughs> you know wave yes. her hand if she got noticed and she would yeah. ask her questions yeah. yeah well the next person that you featured was the lady that i had the pleasure of knowing gertrude buckley windsor yes a philanthropist in east texas and she was one of the creator or the creator of path which is a nonprofit here gracious woman you know very unpretentious, very humbling. She was just started by serving food out her back door. Right. And, that, and that's the way Path started. Yes. People, because they, uh, the family had a certain amount of money, yes. you know, she could have easily just gone to teas, gone to parties, not yeah. done all that she has done for people. But there would be people who would come to the back door and ask for food, ask for handouts. Mm-hmm. And so really, Pat, she saw the big need, but she wanted people to be able to get on their feet. Yes. So Path is yeah. set up that way, as you well know, mm-hmm. that yes, people are given things to be helped, but they're helped to help themselves too, yes. which is very important. Now she was she was an incredible lady. In fact, she was telling me that several um, people that she knew were sort of critical of her because she let herself be on television, let me do you know, oh, her story and so forth. They felt she should, you know, that it just wasn't. I don't know. I don't Some kind of well, code, she was. code of the times, social code of the times. But she, you know, she didn't really care that much. She was just a neat, neat lady, and she's left uh-huh. such a legacy. Oh, yes, that organization of very... Mm. Very powerful organization for helping people. And, you know, if you help people get back on their feet, you've done a tremendous service for them. They're no longer dependent upon the system or somebody else's hand, but they can provide for themselves. So they they are proud of what they can do. Right. 
And that's very important. It's very, very important. You know, of course, there's so much emphasis on PATH, which there should be that she's done, that sometimes it's probably overlooked what she did for historic restoration in the state of Texas. Oh, yes. Uh, Roseland Plantation, which Mm -hmm. um, um, a friend of mine now owns, it's a beautiful place, but it was, if you've ever seen the old photographs, it was just falling down oh, until really? Gertrude yes. Windsor restored it ah. and received the first plaque in Texas that Texas gave for historic restoration oh. on Roseland Plantation. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. she was interested in history and restoration and gardening. She mm-hmm. helped start the garden clubs in Tyler and just so much. Yeah. Very interesting, lady. Very interesting. Well, I want to move on to the series that you did for our service people. Right. Or still do. Yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a weekly. Do. Yeah. Oh, it's still going on. Yeah. It's a weekly and, series. In fact, if I, if I might mention this, not because of me, I need to say this, but I think it's important that um, it runs on KLTV and KTRE, Lufkin Nacogdoches. It's the only weekly series, as far as we know, in the entire United States on a regular basis. Now, all television stations do something on Armed Service Day or Pearl Mm -hmm. Harbor, Mm -hmm. and that's great that they do focus on our veterans and what they've done for us, but we're the only ones who do this. Every single week, we profile a veteran. Oh, that is great. So, uh, you know, I think it's important because... If we lose sight of what these people have done for us, you know, where do we have to go if we don't remember our history? Right. Well, in the book, you wrote, you break it down into different periods and different wars that mm-hmm. we, we went, we have gone through mm-hmm. from Pearl Harbor to uh, the War in the Pacific, Gulf War, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, and I'm sure you're going on. Yeah. So uh, it's very interesting. But I naturally drawn to the the topic of this program is the women. You highlight the women that were in war, mm-hmm. and with the names. Mm-hmm. And I have to. I was just amazed when I saw Mary Lou. Um, Peyton's name? Yeah, uh, interesting, because I'm sure a lot of people um, claim to be Rosie yeah. the Riveter, mm-hmm. but um, she's actually featured in the museum in California, Rosie the Riveter. She was the original one, you know, made the photograph. It was the one that was um, yeah. um, used throughout the war. Uh, well, for our young visitors, <clears throat> tell us who Rosie the Riveter is. Well, probably they've only seen, maybe if they've seen any of the old posters from World War II, but basically this is the first time in history that American women really got into the workplace in full force, Mm -hmm. and they got into the workplace by working in factories and they helped to win the war, and this was, I guess... uh, just showing what women were doing and encouraging women to be a part of this. Yes. So it was it was a nickname that came somewhere along the way, Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, she was know. holding a rivet gun yeah. for working on airplanes. Which was really yeah. sim- right, and she, which yeah. she did. She worked in an air, airplane factory, uh, but basically it was symbolic of all the women who were putting these planes together. Yeah. So we have other people, other women that were held as uh, in as a... Um, Captured and held. That was 
Right. Uh, Colonel mm-hmm. Hattie Brantley, I think, is I mean, is such a great example. She was one of the angels of the tan, which, mm-hmm. you know, they did a book, a movie, and so forth. She was from around the Marshall area, and she always was impressed with the country doctor who would ride his horse from farm to farm delivering babies and, and curing the sick and so forth. Yes. So she wanted to be in medicine, so mm-hmm. she became a nurse, joined the Army, and was one of the first American women ever captured by a foreign nation when the Japanese wow. took over the Philippines, yes. Pearl Harbor in the Philippines. And But she looks back at it, what must have been a terrible time, and she says, well, I always wanted to join the Army, you know, um, ride a horse and see the world. That's why I joined the Army. And I ended up seeing the world through a barbed wire fence and eating the horse. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, so funny. Uh, not very good at imitating no. her, but she's so colorful. She's a colorful yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah, brave woman. Yeah. Well, we see that we, we've been nurses through many of the wars, and, of course, that was, I'm sure, like in the TV industry, women's jobs have changed. Now we are in more leadership roles. No matter if you are a woman that's off in foreign lands leading, we're all leaders, whether we're leading our family or we're leading an army or we're leading a set, um, TV set, whatever it is, we're all very powerful and have the potential of opening many doors. I think that's our strength. Right. I think that's why it's so great what you're doing, because I think sometimes women, um, women don't quite know what they can do. Yes. Uh The potential. Yes. Their own potentials. Yes. Well, you know, when I went through my life transitions, I felt very called to go into some work that could help make women go through the transition of divorce. Because rebuilding your life after that is very important. And there's so many opportunities to change and create a new life. And that is something nobody should miss. So, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this radio if I had not opened some doors, experienced some new experiences, and gotten a little uncomfortable at times. Yeah, it's just awesome. Transition can be uncomfortable, can't oh, it? Oh, yes. indeed. <laughs> indeed. Well, as one of our final questions, I'd like to know, uh, what is what do you feel your main contribution has been to broadcasting or to your personal life or just looking over your life, what has been something you're most proud of? I think I've asked for two different questions there. But. Yeah, well, you know, of course, my family has to come first. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it was Jackie Kennedy who said something along the line of no matter what you accomplish in your life, you know, if, you're, if your children <laughs> don't turn out well, you know, then, yeah. then, then you have failed. And uh, obviously our children, you know, go through their traumas in life too, but the family and, and um, I have, um, have two sons. Uh, I like to say I have four grandchildren because that's the way I look at it. I, we lost a granddaughter to cystic fibrosis, uh, which, of course, is a terrible disease, which yes. I, um, I fully expect in my lifetime that we'll, we will find a cure for it. Uh-huh. And um, so I think the family, first of all, but, you know, it's been wonderful being in television all these years. And I look back and people say I was a pioneer. That's that's great to hear. You know, maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's been a great ride. Joan, this has been 
a wonderful hour for me. I've enjoyed hearing and talking with you, sharing your wonderful stories with my audience. So thank you for being here today. It's been a wonderful start. It's a privilege for me, Joyce. Thank you.